What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Struggle Struggle Podcast. I am your host, Dustin. And as I promised you, I have a special guest on today. And I told you guys in my first recording that I thought my first guest was going to be a man by the name of Mark Zalmanoff. <laughs> and man, was I able to come through. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know for sure. I hadn't asked him. But to be honest with you, this man is an, an important person in my life. He's helped me a ton. And I had no qualms or concerns that when I asked him, he would be the man that would be able to be my first guest on this podcast. Mark has a super incredible story, and I'm going to let him share it with you. Uh, Mark, introduce yourself a little bit and what you currently do and, and all the fun things. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I, uh, I appreciate you letting me be guest number one. I feel like this is, you know, the number one comic where they're like, oh, Superman number one or whatever. I, I kind of feel like that right now. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm excited. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mark Zamanoff, aka The Fitness Ninja. I've been in the fitness industry for 19 years. I own a gym in Frisco, Texas. I do online coaching. I do business coaching for other fitness professionals. I do executive coaching for a group called Apex, which I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, I wrote a book called Make Good Choices. It's a best-selling book on Amazon. I have a podcast called Make Good Choices. And when I say all that to people, people go, how, how do you do all that? <laughs> and that's one of, it's one of my favorite questions when people are like, well, how, how do you do all that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You just do it. Like, you know, it, and that's a terrible answer, but you know, you structure your day and you figure out, you figure out what's the priority and you allocate your time appropriately. And I'm also married. I also have kids. And so there's always moving components, but look, like all of us can be busy if we want to be busy. Um, my wife and I have reframed that into, we are blessed. We are not busy. So, you know, when we get home at the end of the day and we're like, Oh, how was your day? It's like, it was really blessed, really, really blessed. But you know, you tell yourself that enough times and you realize that it is a blessing to be able to do all the things that we do and, and to have the influence that we have and be able to do life with so many awesome people in so many different areas of, of life. And so, you know, everything that I do revolves around things that light me up, things that I'm passionate about, even down to something like this. Like, I wouldn't do a podcast interview with you if I wasn't excited to do it. Right. You know? So you reached out to me. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go, man. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you kept um, uh, describing your, your life because I literally was writing down blessed because I had just messaged you the other day and I said, hey, man, I know you're busy. Just like we all say, hey, man, I know you're busy, but I would like to have you on my podcast. And you said, hey, me and Laura have switched to we're not busy, we're blessed. And so you were kind of like talking and you were just about to end. And then you decided to like dive deeper and dive deeper and you got to that story. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you did that because I was dragging it out of you one way or the other. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we talk to ourselves more than anyone ever talks to us. Like there's a, I don't, I don't think enough people understand that there's a constant dialogue in your head all day from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And that dialogue is what really drives you. And, and not enough people think about what they think about. 
So all those stories and all that baggage that we bring with us from, you know, relationship issues to money issues to worth to self-love, like all those things matter and, and people don't understand how powerful those words are. And so I, I think sometimes it sounds hokey to people when, you know, you talk about daily affirmations and, you know, writing things on post-it notes and sticking them up on your mirror, but that stuff matters. You start feeding yourself consistently with that messaging and over time, not only do you believe it, but you embody it. And that's the hard part is a lot of times you have to take the action first and then let the feelings follow. And you don't have to wait to feel worthy to start telling you, yourself that you are worthy. And, and that's where people get really tripped up is that they're like, well, you know, I haven't done this or, you know, I have all these mistakes in my past that that I'm defining myself with. And, and until until this or until that. And, you know, when I mean, you look at, look at uh, Christianity and the story of Jesus, he's like, you know, look, you're forgiven. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give you uh free reign to go be an asshole again, <laughs> but, but, you know, you can't work your way into forgiveness with the Lord. Like you either accept it or you don't. And I think there's a lot, there's a ton of lessons to be learned through that of how we treat ourselves, because so often we give everyone else the grace that we should be giving ourselves. And yet here we are beating ourselves up because of, of, of our income or our mistakes or our weight or whatever it may be. And we just destroy ourselves on a daily basis. Meanwhile, if you talk to somebody else, the way that you talk to yourself, most people wouldn't, you wouldn't be friends with that person anymore. Yeah. We're fighting. <laughs> <laughs> No, and that's good, man. So you touched on two things that, that I want to come back to. And unfortunately, in our society, when you start talking good to yourself, when you start, you know, uh, uh, doing it, it's probably not true. You're probably not a millionaire. You're probably not successful. You're probably not a champion, right? So the first person that came to my head was Conor McGregor. And a lot of people don't like Conor because he's kind of arrogant, right? Because he tells you he's going to beat your ass, because he tells you that he's a champion, because he tells you that he's going to win. Even if he loses, he tells you that he's going to win. Even if he gets beat up, he tells you he'll be back next week to fight again. And so some of that then portrays into society and they're like, no, that guy's just the asshole. And it's like, no, man, that guy came from nothing. And he decided that every morning when he woke up, that he was going to tell the world that he was a champion and that he was a winner. And that if he gets knocked down, you better bet he's going to get back up and that he's going to keep fighting and that he's going to keep running his mouth and that he's going to keep showing off and that he's going to continue to do so because he's told himself that so many times that he's literally made 338 million Americans believe that 99% of the time when that dude gets in the ring, whether he runs his mouth or not, there's a good chance he's about to fuck somebody up. I love his story. And especially, you know, the fight with Floyd Mayweather, that happened because of his self-belief mm -hmm. and because he was willing to put himself out there and willing to run his mouth. And, and regardless of what anybody else thought, like he created this persona and who knows what he's like in real life. Like, you know, most of us, we're not friends <laughs> with him. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just a, a quiet, humble dude in real life, or maybe he's the same guy. Who knows? But he created this persona of, of Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter, and sold everyone on it. And if he hadn't done that, he would have been, you know, he was a great fighter for, for a, a good few years, and he held multiple belts and, and really did prove himself. And he's obviously fallen off as far as his fighting skills. But he, he understood the game, you know, the, that TikTok. He understood the assignment, right? 
So he knew that, that he had to be the one to go out there and say, hey, I believe in me. I'm the best in the world. I can do that. And like you said, a lot of people, you know, take it as, as being, um, you know, being cocky, being arrogant, you know, patting yourself on the back all the time. But look, that, that dude, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars he's made, but it seems like it's worked out fairly well for him. Yeah, for sure. And the second one that I wanted to talk on was Christ. I know, I know you talked about Christianity and stuff. And, and I, obviously, me and you've had podcasts recorded of my journey with Christ and, and your situation with Christ and all that. But for me, like, I know a lot of people think you got to get good before you can go to church. Like you got to stop doing drugs before you go to church. You got to stop being a sinner before you go to church. You got to stop, you know, doing uh, pornography before you go to church. And it's like, no, no, no. Christ says, come to church and then I'll start to change your ways. And it's like, that's the same thing with the way we talk to ourselves. Talk first and then your ways will start to change behind you. Tell yourself that you're successful and your success will come behind you. Tell yourself that you're beautiful and your beauty will come from behind you. Years ago, I was, I was going to a church here in the Metroplex and the pastor, he said something and it's always stuck with me. He's like, act and then the feelings will follow. And he said, I don't always feel like loving my wife. I don't always feel like making breakfast for my kids. I don't always feel like coming on stage every weekend and giving my sermon to the masses. He goes, but I do it because I made a commitment to doing it. And the feelings always follow. He goes, I never regret loving my wife. I never regret making breakfast for my kids. I never regret getting on stage and, and preaching. I never regret the workout. I never, you know, all those things. But we, we've gotten to this point where people feel like they got to feel like it all the time. And until you realize that most of the time that is not, that's not the case, <laughs> you know, as a, as a fitness professional, you know, this like a good 50% of the time, I don't feel like working out or I going to it. the gym. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're at the gym five hours a day, Monday through Friday. Most days, you can't tell me you wake up at 4.38 a.m. excited as hell to go to the gym for five hours, like, and then do your own workout and then take care of the gym bills and take care of the gym stuff only to go home and then take care of life too. So just because we are fitness professionals, just because we're in that realm, doesn't mean we love spending every waking minute in sweaty ass gym clothes and being excited about it. So true, man. But again, you know, so much of that just falls back on your on your commitments and what you have, what you've told people you're going to do, what you told yourself you're going to do, and understanding that while I don't I don't put a whole lot of stock in what other people think about me or or how they feel about me, but I also understand what I've been blessed with as far as people looking to me for motivation, encouragement, inspiration. And we'll, we'll talk about the Tough Mudder here in a minute, but even something like that, where, you know, I'm out there pushing myself for me, but totally understanding that it will have a ripple effect in some way, shape or form to someone. And if that means one person gets off their ass and goes and walks around the block, cause they're like, all right, if he can go out there and do that crazy shit, surely I can get up and just move. And that's yeah, me. Sure. That's, that's serving my purpose right there. That's it. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and like you touched on, 
obviously this is called the strength through struggle podcast and and, and we're going to talk about all kinds of shit drug addictions and 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 have cool people on that do rad shit and 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 you're the first person i brought on because number one you've been an important person in in my life and helped me get strength through some of my struggles you've 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 shown me the way on, on several different things and, and and we became great friends over the situation but you my friend literally just finished some miserable miserable exercise situation that you literally paid for and signed up for on your own and i'm guessing somewhere in there you you had some struggles so share with the people a little bit about what you just uh, accomplished and 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 how many you've done and why you're into it and all that stuff let's just start there yeah so i'll, I'll give the backstory of how i got into all this uh, probably let's see, it's 21. So about, about 10 years ago, I had a client challenge me to a half marathon and I'm not a runner. Like that, that's not my forte. I don't really enjoy it to this day. I don't really enjoy it. I don't wake up and go, I'm going to go for a run today. Yay. Like that ain't, that ain't my jam. If I'm running, there's a clock, you know, or a I'm timing shit. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So so I took on the challenge. I went and did this half marathon. I totally imploded at mile 11, like both my quads cramped up. I hobbled my way to the finish line. So the next year I'm like, okay, I, I need to, I need to avenge this. I need to go do another one so I can actually run the whole thing. And I signed up for another one. I did it. I, you could call it running eh, loosely. I was like doing the old man shuffle, but I finished it. I didn't cramp up or whatever. And uh, after that, I'm like, that's it. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I didn't really enjoy it. You know, I, I was trying to enjoy the process of it. I was happy I had the accomplishment to say, hey, I did it. But it just wasn't my thing. And I knew I needed a challenge, though. And the following year, this was right around the time when there was an obstacle course race called the Warrior Dash. And it was coming onto the scene. It was like a 5K, so relatively short. You got this big fuzzy like Viking hat when you finished and they always had turkey legs out there. So I love was, turkey legs. Yeah, man, they're so good. So it was a cool experience. And, and we had done a couple of those and then I found Tough Mudder. I'm like, oh, what is this? And it says like a 10 to 12 mile obstacle course designed by former special forces, like British special forces guys. I'm like, I'm intrigued. So I sign up. I try to get some people to go with me. Nobody wants to do it. And I ended up with like this random guy at a gym that I worked at and his brother. So two, two people that I really, and to this day, I don't remember the last time I saw either one of them. So it was what it was. We go out and do this thing. At that point, one of the hardest things I had ever done physically, and I was totally bought in. I'm like, this is awesome. We're crawling through mud. We're climbing over walls. We're getting electrocuted. And... <laughs> I just fucking loved it. Like there was something about it that, that really spoke to me. And the next year, there was another one in Texas close by. And at that time, I was able to kind of wrangle some of my clients to do it because I had experienced it. So I was able to go back and speak about it and say, hey, look, this is really, I know it seems crazy, but it's really fun. And you guys are capable of doing this because I know the way that I train you. And ever since then, that's what we do. We go take a group of people, we go out, we do this tough mutter. One of their, one of the tough mutter core values is teamwork and camaraderie. So it's not about how fast you can finish the thing. It's about getting out there with other people and helping each other and supporting each other, whether it's your team or not. 
you know, there's obstacles that do require help. There's walls that, you know, most people can't climb up and over because they're too tall. There's this big half pipe you got to run up. So it, it really spoke to me because of the community aspect of it, because it re did require teamwork. So over the years, we started doing these on a regular basis. Well, back in 2018, I decided that I was going to tackle something that they call the Holy Grail. And that's three different races that Tough Mudder puts on. One of them just being a regular Tough Mudder. One of them was an overnight Tough Mudder. So starting from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. So it's a five mile continuous loop. And then something called the World's Toughest Mudder, which is a 24 hour event that is kind of the same as that nighttime one. So it's a five mile course, 20 or so obstacles, and you just go as many times as your little heart desires, right? So my buddy Nathan and I, we did that throughout that year and it was in Atlanta in November of 2018 was my first world's toughest mutter. I was, I was very, I felt really good going into it. I was very prepared, like physically, I felt in great shape. Um, you know, mentally, I, I thought I was prepared and I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So we get out there and the starting temp of the day was like 53. So we're already kind of bundled up. And most of these obstacle course races that I've done have been in heat. Like, you know, it's just yeah. been hot. I've been sunburned in them, you know, because they're in Texas when I usually do them and it's hot here. They don't, they don't run them in the middle of the summer, but they don't run them during the winter either. So we get out there and I got all the gear. Like, you know, I, I did my research. People are like, hey, you need to bring a wetsuit. You need to make sure you have the scuba hood thing, like hand warmers, the layers. I'm like, cool. You know, I'm, I got all the stuff. It got down to 28 degrees that night. In, in Atlanta, Georgia, by the way. Yeah, in Atlanta. And something about the Tough Mudder is there's always water on the course. So you're going to be wet and you're probably going to stay wet, especially in those temperatures. And man, it just beat the fuck out of us. I remember at some point during the night, we're back in our, we're back in our little camp area and we're sitting there and my buddy and I are like looking across the, the tent from each other, like what the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. And, and our crew's trying to warm us up. Like my wife's there. She's like got this robe thing over me. And she's like, I think she was like either sitting on me or hugging me or something, just trying to create some body heat. Sure. And we were just miserable that race. I believe they had 40% of the starting 40% of the starting field dropped out before the race was over. That's how cold it got. So regardless of, of preparation and gear, I just didn't know how to fucking handle it. So we, we finished, but it always felt unfinished to me because I, I just wasn't able to perform at the level that I wanted to perform. I knew I was physically prepared for, but obviously not mentally prepared because my mind was like, fuck this, it's too fucking cold. <laughs> sure so. which is which is totally understandable like that you know it, again it was it was out of your control and it was things that you weren't necessarily prepared for when it comes to the place that they call hot lanta and you show up and it's 28 degrees like you're not ready for stuff like that and like you said this it's not like we're just you know trotting down the old highway like you're going to get wet. You're going to sweat. You're going to be tired. You're going to be cold. You're going to be muddy. You're going to be. And so when you add 28 degrees on top of that, it's, it's like,
like, holy cow, man, this is, this is a lot. And, and so obviously outside of, outside of training at the gym, there was some different training that you needed to do over the next few years to get where you are and ultimately who you are today. So what, what are some of the things that you've done over the last few years that was ultimately changed everything about you for this race? Yeah. So that was kind of around the time where I was really escalating my personal growth. Um, I, I was really starting to find the right books that spoke to me. I was really diving deep into stoicism. Um, I was, I was in that, the apex community a little bit. I hadn't joined just yet, but I was kind of around those people. i had started getting some business coaching. So on a personal level, but I, I was really on that trajectory of growth, but I hadn't, I hadn't found all those things. And, and I, I spoke about this on social media the other day, like David Goggins. I hadn't, I hadn't even heard his name at that point. And he talks about the cookie jar. He talks about pulling out those cookies of all those things that you've done and all the times you overcame and being able to tap into stuff like that when you're going through those tough times. And so a lot of little things like that hadn't entered my life yet. So I, I didn't, I think at the time, I didn't really know what to do with what I was going through in that very moment. And because it was totally new and I didn't have any expectation of, of what that night was going to be like, I just kind of imploded. And, and so looking back at that and then going, okay, what have I done since then? Great question. So it's been three years since then. And I've joined apex i've written a book describe that a little bit and some people don't know what apex is obviously it's something that we're both a part of but some people here we don't know where we're picking them up from apex is basically a self-development business development mastermind type program full of people all striving to be the most elite version of themselves simple as that and it's the most amazing fucking community of people you'll ever find because very rarely do you find so many people that not only want to win, but they want other people to win too. And, and I think that's the uniqueness of Apex that there's not a lot. I know there's always going to be haters in there somewhere, but there's not a lot of people that, that have a scarcity mindset that think if you're successful, then I can't be successful. So the, the, the people in Apex are just incredible. And we really do all just want to see each other win and, and do big shit in the world together because there's not enough people doing it right now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like like you talk sort of the losers that, that that have this mentality of, you know, negativity or this whatever. What I've found, especially in my training, in my coaching, and, and I know you've experienced it, too, is every person who ever tells me, man, your program just doesn't work for me. Those are the people that never did the work. Like I, I could have literally hand fed you and I could have drove you to the gym and I could have moved your legs on the treadmill for you and you still would have failed. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, it's, it's not the program. It's not the people. But unfortunately, unfortunately, their way out is to blame the system or to blame the company or to blame the coach or whatever. And so it kind of like you can see where a bad name comes from, but ultimately those are the people that fucking need it the most. And that's where it's like, oh, I just want to fucking strangle you because you need this more than anybody in the fucking world. And I'm trying to do everything to help you. And you're still like, ah, fuck this place. It doesn't work for me. And it's like, okay, cool, man. See you in a couple of years. You'll be in the exact same spot. You know what I'm saying? And so there are them people, but there's a lot of good people. Like that's exactly how me and you met. We met through 
friends of Apex and then I ended up in Apex. And now, you know, Mark's ultimately helped me with my business. He's helped me with, you know, life in general and, and just an all around good dude. Literally, this started from an internet group that we found through Facebook. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and now we're connected. So, so when he says Apex is this amazing group, it like, it is like, I, I didn't know him up until April of this year when I met at a friend's wife's birthday party. And now, I, I mean, I consider him a, a great friend and mentor. So it, it, there, there's things out there that have, have ultimately been the rocket that have taken people like us to a different level. When people say, man, it just seems like you really took off. It's because of the people we've surrounded ourselves with. It's because of the rooms we put. And like you said, you do the work, man. You've got a book. You've got a podcast. You've got a, a business. You've got a wife. You've got kids. Like you are doing the work. And, and, and ultimately, when you're doing the work, it just continues to come and go and, and continue to get better. Uh, amen to that. Um, and, and it's interesting. So let's, let's continue to talk about doing the work, right? So 2019 rolls around and I, I join Apex. I, I hear about this thing called 75 hard, hmm. uh, fall of that year. And if you don't know 75 hard, just go look it up. Uh, fall of that year, I start, I start doing 75 hard. And this is before the book, before the podcast, before t-shirts and hats, like nobody knew what the fuck it was other than Andy Frisella said this, these six things on a podcast and people started doing it. Right. Yep. So I start doing that. Um, I do another 12 hour tough mutter during 75 hard of that year. And I felt amazing. And it was here in Texas. The weather was great. <laughs> you know, let's not, let's not. Everything's hold. better in Texas. Come yeah, on. Everything's better in Texas, right? The weather was awesome. Uh, I felt amazing. I was very happy with my performance at that time. I did like 27 and a half miles in 12 hours. It was awesome. Damn. Um, and that, that winter, I found David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. So between 75 hard and starting to understand the mentality that we all have inside of us that we keep wrapped up or that we diminish or that we don't give ourselves enough credit for starting to understand, like really soak in how capable we are, you know, cause 75 hard, you do two workouts a day for 75 straight days. And, and most people go, Oh, well, that's, a, that's a lot. Don't you need to rest? Do you like, do you really? I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of, of a training cycle, yes, you need rest, but there's more people sitting on their ass out there doing absolutely nothing. So God forbid a whole bunch of people decide they're going to work out for 75 straight days, right? So, so I start what Goggins says, callousing my mind. I start understanding how to shut that bitch voice down. I start understanding how to dig into that cookie jar when shit's getting hard and keep forging ahead. 2020 rolls around. I found out that the world's toughest mutter is going to be in Dallas. Perfect. I'm super fucking excited because listen, this thing's an undertaking. Like you got to have all this gear and tents and canopies and you got to go grocery shopping and wipe out the Walmart. And while you're on that, the, just rough, rough guess. What do you figure you have in gear and food and travel for just this one you just finished? Just so that people can get an idea of what you actually signed up for. What's what, what it took for you to start from A to Z. Yeah, the uh, the race itself is five hundred bucks. Uh, we had to for this one that we just did. We had to travel to Laughlin, Nevada, which is ninety minutes south of Vegas. So you got to fly to Vegas. You got to rent a car. You got to drive to the hotel. You got to stay in a hotel. You got to make sure you have a tent, a canopy, 
probably probably a good five hundred dollars worth of gear, you know, and some of it I have already. Um, food and then you know time away. So it's like we got we got to pay somebody to come come watch our pets and and make sure that the gym is covered. And so there's a it's a it's an undertaking to say the least for sure. Um, so I'm super excited. It's gonna be in my backyard and COVID hits. So we don't fucking get the COVID. Fucking COVID, man. So they cancel the race. We don't get to do it. And basically all of last year, I did one very short obstacle course race, not a tough mutter. And that was pretty much it. All this time, I'm like growing my business rapidly. You know, over the last uh, really two years now, I've probably had more growth in my business than the decade before that. Wow. Just, you know, again, surrounding ourselves with the right people, being in the right environment, having the right resources, teaming up with the right people. Um, it, it's been it's been incredible. Uh, my wife doing the same thing. She's an entrepreneur. She's a coach. She's she's blowing up. So there's a lot of life stuff going on. But somewhere along the way, we decided I was going to do this race again this year, because, as I said before, I kind of felt it was unfinished from Atlanta. So I sign up for it. I'd planned to do a couple other races throughout the year. Never happened. Schedules, just priorities, whatever. So this is literally the first optical course race I did this year. And the only one that I did this year. So we get out there. Like I said, Laughlin, Nevada. So the fucking desert is where it is. And windy. If you don't know South, like <laughs> if you don't know South Nevada or Northern Arizona, the wind blows 800 miles an hour on a calm day and 1200 miles an hour on a windy day. You know, I, I wish I would have talked to you about that <laughs> before we left. Holy Lord, is it windy? We're out there trying to put up the tent and stuff and shit just blowing sideways. And bro, I oh, built, yeah. I, I built half of the bus that I am sitting in right now in Ehrenberg, Arizona, which is literally like three hours from where you were. And there would be days that we would like hold on to the countertop because the whole bus was shaking. <laughs> it like, yeah, it, it blows like hell out there, man. There's just nothing out there. You're right. There's nothing to stop it. And uh, it, it's funny because on a, a Monday after we were done, we're walking out to, to leave. And it was the calmest it had been the entire time because everyone was done. Like we were yeah. done racing. There was nothing left to do outside anymore. And so we just started laughing. We're like, of course, it's calm right now. Yeah. Um, so we get out there. I got three other guys doing this with me. Uh, one of them, one of my just a stellar human being of a man, James Gibbs. He, he's been with me for probably since 2008, maybe even earlier than that. Um, client off and on, former Marine, has just always supported everything that I've done. Um, has gotten me into the corporate realm a handful of times to do some corporate programs and health and wellness stuff and biggest loser competitions. But just, to, just one of those dudes that like, he's good people to have in your circle. And, you know, I had reached out to him. He saw I was doing this. He was like, hey, I'm in. And he's 57 years old, too, which which is fucking awesome. He looks like he's like 40, by sure, the way. Sure. Um, but, you know, he's out there with us. And a couple of our, of our other Apex brothers came with us as well. So I had had a good, solid crew of people, which definitely helps. Um, so we get out there. Everything's prepped and ready to go. The high temp's like 85. So it's rather hot you know yeah, when we warm. start but windy as fuck uh the entire course is basically sand and gravel yeah the whole thing there's nothing and, else out there <laughs> 
and we're up hills and downhills and up hills and downhills. And every time I turn a corner, I'm like, and another hill. And again, I live in Frisco, Texas. It's flat as fuck here. Yeah. Like even our hills aren't really hills around here. Right. So, you know, we get going, I get a few laps in, night comes. So when night hits during these things, they call it night ops. And you got to wear a headlamp because it's dark, you know, it's dark out there. They don't have, the course isn't lit. You know, there's where obstacles are, there's some lights and stuff, but for the most part, the course isn't lit at all. And I remember the first, first lap with the headlamp, I turned the corner, I'm by myself. And the first two miles of this thing were, were basically a, a, a sand run. There wasn't really much, we didn't have that many obstacles. They piled all the obstacles on the back half of it. And my headlamp's on and I see just like dust just floating in front of my lamp. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm basically inhaling a sand dune yeah. <laughs> while I'm out here. Uh, like Monday, I sounded like the, the old lady smokers that were in the casino is what I sounded yeah. like. Afterwards. So we get out there, everything's going well. It starts getting a little cold again because it's the desert and it's night and it's dry, but we're wet. And I got my wetsuit this time. I got all my gear. So, you know, Laura, Laura helps me out, gets me in my wetsuit at some point. And there was, there was a moment again where I was fucking freezing cold. Like it just hit me. And, and you could tell like everyone around was kind of feeling it all at the same time. Um, you know, everybody's gearing up. You see a lot more people in, our, in the pit area is what they call it, where you, all your gear and your tent and your stuff is. You see a lot less people out on the course. But I had told Laura, and Laura's my wife, for those of you who don't know her, I had told her before we ever went out there, I said, don't let me quit. Like, whatever, whatever happens out there, do not let me quit. And, you know, she, she knows me well. She knows me better than anyone. So she let me rest when I need to rest. She helped me get warm when I need to get warm. And when I need to get my ass back out on the course, she got my ass back out on the course. She's like, hey, you got to go. Like, yeah. here's what time it is. You need to get moving again. Yep. And, and, and it's funny. So, you know, this is the second time around. It ain't my first rodeo. It's my second rodeo. Yeah. I'm pretty much a pro at this point. <laughs> That's such a low threshold of rodeos, right? To become <laughs> yeah. an expert. Like, I've yeah. never understood that. Um, so we get out there. And, and I know in my head, when I'm moving, I'm warmer. And because I knew that, even though I was cold and miserable in those few moments, I knew that I had to get back out there. And and I get back out there. And at some point I start sweating because again, I'm in a full wetsuit. I got a beanie on. I got like a layer on over. I got uh, like a windbreaker jacket and pants over my wetsuit to kind of block the wind. Sure. Um, But I start sweating. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. So all this time, my, my knees and my feet are now fucking killing me. Cause again, I want to, I want to, I want to stop you right there because you, you said something on that lap before you got to Laura that you were by yourself and everybody, like part of my book, part, I, I literally just wrote the back part of the description of my book, strength through struggle this morning to get to the editor. And it literally was like, when you're going through the shit, most times you're going to find out that you are fucking there all by yourself and not too many people are there you're kind of looking around breathing in the dust doing the whole thing so how much during the race were you literally by yourself so overnight the the course gets desolate And, and like i said a lot of people will literally just go rest they'll go they'll go sit in their tent and rest and they won't 
you know, they'll wait until dawn comes to go back out on the course. So there's a good chunk of time, especially those first couple of miles, it's pretty dark out there um, where I'm by myself. And, you know, every now and then somebody come past me, you know, the, the competitor guys would come running by and, and everyone on the course, is like, Hey, good job. Hey, good job. Hey, keep going. Hey, you know, you're doing great. There's a lot of positive reinforcement out on that course, which is awesome. And again, another thing I really love about that tough mutter community that sets them apart from Spartan and some of the other ones. Um, but in those moments, that's where all this mindset training and all this callousing of the mind and the Goggins and the Stewman and my goon squad and you and Laura and my kids and all those things start coming to my mind. And before I left, I had, um, I have a group called the goon squad. They're five of my best friends in this world. And I, I reached out to them. I said, Hey, send me something, send me a word of encouragement or something, because I'm going to need it. Like I knew that I knew I was going to need that sometime during the middle of that night. And, and all of them sent me something, whether it was a message or a video or, or, you know, a, a mantra. And, and that's when I started diving into that stuff. You know, our friend Thomas says small steps forward daily. Every time I walked up a fucking hill on that course, I just kept telling myself small steps, small steps, small steps, small steps. And that got me through. Sure. Uh, our, our buddy Chris Whitehead had sent me this video that was, uh, it was something about uh, something Goggins recorded. And he's like, he goes, be that motherfucker. Like when everyone else is failing, when everyone else wants to quit, be that motherfucker. Be that motherfucker with the smile on your face that just keeps going. Everybody's like, damn, how's he doing that? Like things like that is what we're playing through my head. Not, oh man, this is miserable. Oh man, beat her. Oh, it wasn't that at that point. It was yeah, what you're do past I that. Well, yeah. What do I need? My shit hurts. I know that it's going to keep yep. hurting. It's not going to stop hurting until I stop. I get it. Yeah. You know, so what can I do mentally to keep me going forward? And, and that's when I really started to, to realize in those moments that all you know, these past three years, how far I've come mentally, not physically. Like, I don't think physically I was in as good a shape as I was the last time, but mentally I was way better. And you know, I'm out on that course, I'm hitting mile 30. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to get back out on and do another, do another lap again, because every lap's five miles. So once you start, once you cross the start line again, you got five miles to go. Um, I had to get back out there for lap number seven. For, there was no doubt about it, because otherwise I wouldn't be considered a finisher, just the way the race works. So I finished lap seven, it's about 815 in the morning, sun's at that point, if I wanted to stop, I could stop and be considered a world's toughest mutter finisher. They have a rule where at 8 a.m. in the morning, as long as you have finished a lap after 8 a.m., you can be considered a finisher. So, you know, if, if you're a badass and you hit 50 miles at that point, you're like, yep, yeah, that's good enough. Then by all means, you should, you should be considered a finisher. You made it through the night. You know, the sun's up again. Awesome. So I go back to the tent. I'm hobbling. You know, I'm this is everybody's starting to walk like a fucking zombie. I got like a peg leg going on. For sure. <laughs> and, and I go back and sit down. And, and now again, mentally, I'm good. Like I, I go back and sit down. I, I got a smile on my face. I go Weird. grab a, I go grab a bag. <laughs> I grab a bag of uh, uh, peanut butter stuffed pretzels. Mm. And I sit, I sit in this chair. Somebody brought this like reclining lawn chair. So I'd go back and sit in that. I got my feet up. I'm like, oh, yeah. I grab those pretzels and fucking chowing down, you know, and Laura shows up. She wasn't in the tent. 
too late. She's got a breakfast from Starbucks. And she's like, hey, I got you a breakfast sandwich. It's that smoked Gouda or the double smoked bacon. It's like on a croissant bun. She's like, you want it? I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she gives it to me. I'm like, this is the best breakfast sandwich I've ever had in my life. And uh, I'm sitting there eating it. And again, now the sun's out. So that definitely raises your spirits a little bit, you know, mentally it, it, it's, Hey, I made it through the tough part. And she goes, where are you at? And I was like, I don't know. She goes, I'll do the last lap with you. And I was like, all right, well, my decision was just made. Like I, I, I there was no way in hell I was going to tell her, no, we're done. Like yeah. in that moment. And, and again, in my head, like I'm questioning, I'm like, can my body handle this? You know, am I going to fuck myself up? Like my knees bugging me. It was bugging me before I even started the race. I'm like, am I going to tear something like all this bullshit? Right. And as soon as she said, I'm going to do the last lap with you. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing one more lap. So, you know, she gives me a little bit of time. I get changed again because it was, it was heating up. So I needed to get sure. back and, and I finished the race in shorts and a tank. Meanwhile, you know, four hours prior, I'm in a, a full body wetsuit <laughs> with a beanie and everything else for sure. So, so about, I don't know, I think it was about nine 30, nine 15, nine 30 in the morning. We're like, all right. I, I said, if we're going to go, I need to go now. Like we got to get moving. Cause I'm slow right now. She said, okay, cool. And off we go. And, and she walked side by side with me as I, cause I was walking at that point. Let's not, let's not, you know, yeah. pretend church it up any, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it wasn't even a power walk it was just a waddle and, and keep moving forward so you know we we go through that last lap it takes me almost three hours uh i think it was two hours and 48 minutes was that last five miles and uh we crossed the finish line so they give you the race goes from noon on saturday to noon on sunday but what they do is they close the start line at noon on Sunday and you still have 90 minutes to finish any lap that you're on. So if you're still on course, you can finish your lap, no penalty, it totally counts. So you have basically until 1.30 to, to get it done. And, and you know, she, she had her phone with her, so we were clocking time and I knew I had plenty of time. Um, and she was, you know, again, throughout the, that lap, she's just reminding me, and, and, and I said this the other day, you know, in the middle of the night, at some point when I'm miserable and, and she could tell like my mind's like, what the fuck am I doing out here? She goes, your goals are not found in your comfort. And, and I'll be damned, you know, that's some shit that I tell people <laughs> all the time. And, you know, we talk about things being outside of your comfort zone and that's where the magic happens and all that. But, you know, it, to me, it was really, it was really nice to have someone else telling me that because I'm usually the guy saying it to someone else. For sure. And that's, you know, it, that's one thing I want to say is guys like you and I are the people that push everybody else. But sometimes, man, we're the guys that never get it back. And so when you get it back, it's almost like, almost brings me to tears when somebody checks it. Hey, man, are you doing OK? Are you doing all right? And, or, you know, you check it like, what? Well, you know what I am? Thank you for asking me now. Fucking let's go. You got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. You know, they, they say you check on your strong friends. Yeah, and uh, it's very, very important to have those those people. It's, it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but you, all of us need one or two to be like, "Hey, are you okay?" Like, legitimately, not, "Oh yeah, I'm fine." Oh, you're fine. Okay, I'm fine. Yeah, it's not yeah. that. It's like, "Hey, right. are, you, are you doing all right?" So, yeah, 
so we're we're finishing this lap. I know that I'm going to finish it. Um, I'm about to finish 40 miles on this course, which is five more than I did back in Atlanta. Not only that, but like my, I'm mentally good, uh, you know, regardless of my body giving out on me. Like I, I feel I feel great. I feel in good spirits. I got my, my beautiful wife is out there with me doing this. And, you know, she as I'm going on the last obstacle, she runs up ahead to the finish line so she can be there as I cross over. And, you know, they, they make it a big deal. And, and, and it should, should. Be. Yeah. yeah. And it should be, you know, they got this giant inflatable finish line and the guys are on the microphone, welcoming people in and asking how many miles you did and giving you hugs. And she's there filming me cross. And it was, it was emotional because, you know, I, I knew that I had really given everything that I had, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing in that moment that I thought, oh man, I wish I would have. Nope. I gave it all I had and I got my ass back out there when, when I didn't have to, but I was capable of it and I got to do it with Laura and it was just incredible. And, and I've, I've grown, I've grown with that group of people and whether they know me or not, that Tough Mudder community is so powerful. And there's a couple of people that, that work for them that I've, I've befriended somewhat. And so this one guy, Sean Corvell, who is the main MC of Tough Mudder, he's like, most people would call him the voice of Tough Mudder. He's the one that rallies everyone up and he's on the mic beforehand. And he's the one that, you know, counts us down. And he always gives this like incredible speech before we take the course. And, and I had him on my podcast recently. Oh, cool. And he, he's there putting the medals on. And so, you know, I got to walk over to him and he just smiles and gives me a big hug and puts the medal over my neck and gives me my headband. And, you know, it's that congratulations, but it, and it's so sincere because, you know, they're out there the whole night too, cheering us on. And it takes special people, you know, there's volunteers on the course, there's guys on the microphone. It takes special people to do that too. And, and to be in a community like that, where everyone is truly just building her up and something Sean always says, is, he's like, just do your best. He goes, there's no, nothing's better than your best. And whatever that means to you on, on any given day, it, it may be different and it may not be what somebody else is doing. But if you go out on that course, and you give your best, then nothing can beat that. And, and so it was just, it was such a great moment to be able to have my wife there and, and to have him there and, and everyone around just cheering people on and overcoming obstacles. There was a girl in a wheelchair that, can, I mean, she has no use of her legs out on that course. You know, I saw another guy who's missing a hand mm. out on that course. Got chills. You know, I, I, I see there, there was, um, two I, i'm assuming they were sisters they were they were dwarfs like they're i don't know they were maybe three feet tall they're out on that course wow you know so there, there's all these people out there overcoming their own shit you know overcoming their own demons and you pull from that you pull that energy from that and you can feel it and and when you got guys that are out there the winner did a hundred and fucking 15 miles 115 miles and every time that dude would pass, and I said, hey, good job, man. He's like, you too, as he flies by me, <laughs> you know, but like that's wow. that spirit out there. And, and I didn't realize how much I missed it. I really didn't. And, and it's really been hitting me this week as I, as I reflect back on it and just think about the whole experience and, and what happened and the people that I saw. And, you know, what happens, you're out on that course and you start having conversations with people. 
Like you'll walk up on somebody or somebody will walk up on you and you'll kind of walk together for, you know, a half a mile or so. And Hey, where are you from? How many times have you done this? You know, what's your name and all those things. And so you have these little conversations throughout the evening with, with all kinds of people that you would never cross paths with otherwise. And, and it's that shared suffering that I've spoken about before where it bonds people and every moment is different and every race is different. And you could do a hundred Tough Mudders and they're never going to be the same. You could do a hundred Spartans and you could go to a hundred mastermind meetings. You can go to a hundred Apex Lives and none of them are ever going to be the same. There's always going to be this bond in that moment. And so when people, when people willingly put themselves out there to get uncomfortable and know that, hey, I'm going to have a thousand other people out here with me and we're going to go through this together and come hell or high water tomorrow morning, we're all going to be standing there. There's such power in it. And again, I, I didn't realize how much I really miss being out there as miserable as it is at times. And it, look, that shit's hard for me. Uh, you know, I said it, I said it on social media, like this shit doesn't come easy for me. Like I'm not naturally athletic. I'm not gifted in any way, shape or form when it comes to you know, running or lifting or anything. Like I have a moderately good deadlift. And outside of that, like I got to work just as as everybody else does. The reason I do these things is because it challenges me and it pushes me and it aligns with my mission of leaving people better. And the back of my bib, so you have a race bib when you're out on course. And on the back of the bib, there's a big spot where you can put your name or whatever the fuck you want to put on there. And of course I put make good choices on there, right? So as people come up behind you all, all night, make good choices, huh? And here we are out here, <laughs> you know, but, but again, like I'm putting a smile on somebody's face in a moment of misery. Yeah. I'm sharing a, a brief moment with a stranger that I may never cross paths with again. They're like, well, that's a good one. You know, like sure. I also have. I also had let's go Brandon written kind of small on there too. So a couple of yeah. people make comments about that. They're like, yeah, let's go Brandon as they're flying by me, you know? Yeah. But, but all those things are in alignment with who I am and what I do. And, and, and again, it just really reminded me of why I love being out there with those people and how meaningful it can be when you walk in with the right intention, with the right mindset and, and the willingness to get uncomfortable again, because yeah. that's the hard part. The hard part isn't going out and doing it. The hard part's going out for the next lap and yeah. the next lap and the next lap. The hard part's getting up in the morning when you know your shitty situation didn't change overnight and you still got work to do. The hard part's when you're 100 pounds overweight, but now you're 99 pounds overweight and you still got work to do. The hard yeah. part's when your bank account is still the same shitty bank account it was yesterday, but you got to get up and do it again. Yeah. And, and the lessons that you learn through your own self-suffering, you can't put a price on that. You can't buy that. You can't, you can't manufacture that. Like that's just shit you got to go through. And I know, you know, that well, Dustin, like you've been through, you've been to hell and back basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the trajectory that you, and you know that there's going to be more trials and tribulations your way. Like we don't grow without it, but I, I really, I really do believe that when you, when you just approach life with, look, I'm going to give it hell. I'm going to make sure I'm in alignment. And I know that's a hard thing for some people to do. You know, we can talk about core values and all that stuff, but you know, when you're in alignment with the things that you truly believe at the core of your body drive you, 
and you're willing to get up every day and go do it again, eventually shit's going to be good. And, and I know for years, I would question myself of like, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? Like, why am I not progressing? Why is my life not getting better? But there were things that I just hadn't learned yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's always lessons that have to be learned before you can ascend to that next level, whatever that level may be. And uh, I'm just, I'm very grateful again for whatever internally told me, Hey, you're going to go do this bullshit. again. <laughs> whatever that was and, and being willing to listen to it and just go, Hey, I, you know, I'll figure it out. We'll make it happen, whatever. And then all the planning and all the things, but I, you know, I really am grateful for, my internal spirit that said, Hey, you're going to go do this again. And, and, and something good is going to come from it. Wow, man. That was, that was really good. You even got me a little teared up. Cause yeah, I mean, like obviously the people on here, yourself, myself, I've wrote a book on strength through struggle. We've, we've all got struggle, man. We've all faced our shit and it's not going to stop. You know what I mean? And so a few years back when I sold everything, it was to have more experience instead of more stuff. And, and, and I'm the fuck. I still got too much stuff. We were talking this morning about <laughs> shit that we got inside of this bus. And it's like, what the fuck do we even have this for? But when you, when you start realizing, you know, I'm not perfect. My life's not perfect. I'm far from where I want to be. There's a million things I would, I should be probably doing, but I'm not there yet. And so it's, it's, it is that continuous repetition, building that strength. It's just like, it's just like our, our bodies. We got to work them out. It's just like our spirituality. We got to say our prayers. We got to read the Bible. We got to do these things. It's just like our marriages. We got to go on date night. We got to continue to buy flowers. We got to continue to do the shit and build the strength, even though you might be getting ready to go through a divorce, even though, do you know how many divorces would be changed if their husbands just brought a fucking bouquet of flowers home before the night before she said, I want a divorce. Like it's that oh. teeny ass little shit that we forget about along the way that the little strengths that we gain going through the shit will literally bring you out of the struggle. So one thing uh, that I wrote down on yours and, and it was from the goon squad. And, and, and this is, I think a really, really good finish to this and obviously i'm going to let you say your pieces and stuff but for for the strength through struggle learn to know what you need for you because when you're going through the shit when the blaze is coming you your head is down and it's like all you see is smoke you knew that you needed them words of encouragement from your people you know, like most people, when you're, when you can sort of start to feel the shift inside, like, man, I think I'm about to go through some fucking shit again. I, I can feel it inside. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it's not another case of beer. It's not another, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, what do you need? Well, learn to know what you need for you not to get out of it, but to weather the storm. Cause you're going to go through it. One, you're going to go through it drunk. You're going to go through it high. You're going to go through it with porn or what the fuck ever you're gonna go through it but what's gonna get you through the storm not just setting in it and that was a very very good case that you knew what you needed go ahead well and i think too so i think back again you know i always go back to three years ago in atlanta and, and i didn't know i needed those things but i also think you know as a man we've been taught that we're supposed to just be able to handle shit, right? We're just, you should know, but why the fuck should I know? Like, yeah. if I don't know, I don't know. And, and again, this is where the importance of being around the right people and being willing to ask 
and not feel like you're inferior not and, and know that you're not going to be judged by other people because what we've learned over the past few years is there's strength and weakness too. You know, there's strength in going, Hey, I don't know that. I don't, I don't, you know, did somebody teach me? You know, that's why people hire coaches. That's why we right. hire coaches. Right. I have a lack of knowledge. It's not stupidity. I just have a lack of knowledge in an area or I lack something that somebody else has that I need. Yeah. So it, again, it felt great to know that I could reach out to those guys and go, Hey, I know I'm going to need this. And, and they just responded. It wasn't like, you know, there was no, what oh, little pussy, you can't handle it. Right. <laughs> there was none right. of that. It was like that, that, that'll come later this week. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That always comes back around, but, yeah. but, but really, I mean, it was an immediate response too. It was like, Hey, I got you. Hey, you know, check your email. Hey, check your, check your text. I'm going to send you something like Mike Claudio sent me a video uh, that was probably like 90 seconds long of him yelling at me. And, and again, that played in my head in the middle of the night where he's like, don't you fucking quit. Like you're out there for a reason. You keep that smile on your face. You keep moving forward. You have a championship mindset. And so all those things were playing in my head that whole time that really did get me through those moments. So you're absolutely right. Like we have to be willing to, to do some self reflection, inflection, whatever you want to call it and know, Hey, I know that I'm going to need this. I know I need that. And who can I rely on to do that for me? That's why yeah. your circle's so important. That's yeah. why it's so it's so important to have the right people around you to to build you up and not be crabs in a bucket. And then you know, Dustin, guys like you and, and some of my other friends that were texting me or DMing me and going, "Hey, give it hell this weekend. Good luck. You know, we're we're rooting for you." Like, there's no way in hell I was going to let people down. Right. No way. You know, and, and I didn't hit, so I had a goal to do 50 miles and I didn't hit 50 miles, but that 40 was all I had. And I, and I will hold my head high and know that I gave it everything I had on that course. Yeah. And, and I'm sure the fuck I'll be back out there at some point and we'll do this I, fucking thing again. <laughs> I was just about to say, so the, the question that I had is what is your secret to finding strength through struggle? But I think we've covered it, you know, no, learning to know what you need for you. And that was such a good thing, man. I wrote that down, but I, I think, you know, all that's running through my ears is like how great this was and how miserable it was and how great this was and how miserable it was. And all I got for you is when the fuck are you doing another one? Cause I'm not doing it with you. <laughs> so they always announce the next, next year's location right afterwards. So tough mother happened. World stuff is mother happens. On Monday, they have a brunch. They do awards for the year. Um, they award the winners, their prize money and everything. And then at the end of the brunch, they announce the location. Now, a lot of people were hoping it was going to be Dallas because we didn't get our shot at it. Well, it's Pensacola, Florida in 2022. I was just there, man. Um, it's beautiful. So it will be muddy. This Tough Mudder was not muddy. It was just dusty. Um, that, that tough mudder is going to be muddy. It's going to be wet. Weather's about the same. Like I was Human. looking temperatures were like in the low fifties. So, you know, again, wetsuit and all that shit. Right. Um, so I find the location. I tell Laura, I'm like, Hey, here's where it's going to be. She loves that area. She has a, she had a really good friend that lived there for, for a while. And, and, you know, obviously it's beautiful there. Yeah. And she, she goes, I may do it with you. I'm like, oh, what? Because she's told me multiple times. She's like, and she does tough mutters with me, but not those. Yeah. Like, I may do it with you. I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. 
Yeah. So there's a pretty good chance that we may be back out on course this next year. And uh, I'm actually, I'm already looking at hiring a coach for myself specifically for to train this. for that. Yeah. Um, I've never, oddly enough, I, I had a trainer a long time ago, like probably 16, 17 years ago. Uh, it was a guy that I worked with at Lifetime Fitness that helped me with some stuff. But ever since then, I've just, I've trained myself and I, I know what I like to do. And I know I'm not afraid to work on my weaknesses either. So, you know, going out and running and doing the shit that I don't like to do, I, you know, I make myself do it because I, I don't, I won't ask my clients to do things that I'm not willing to do either. And I know they good, don't like all good the things man. that I have to do. Um, but if I'm going to do this again, or when I do this again, I will, I'm going to go hire a coach and, and get some actual formal training and, and hone in on some things. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta map out our year. We, we just, it's funny. Uh, we just bought a wall calendar, like a full year wall calendar Yep. and, and it's coming in over the weekend. So we're going to put that up on the wall and start mapping out our year for next year and, and really figuring out where our priorities are, you know, again, we're, we got a lot of moving components in our lives. I got multiple businesses. Laura's got multiple businesses. Uh, we've kind of done a piss poor job at times of this year of making time for each other, even though we see each other all the time and, you know, we have our moments and stuff, but we know we need to be better about blocking off a weekend or even, we don't even have to go anywhere. Just saying, Hey, we're not going to work from this day to this day and we'll spend time with each other intentionally um, so, you know, we need to get better at that. We know that. So that's part of the calendar and reverse engineering everything and go, okay, where are our commitments? Where are the things that we know we have to do, um, you know, that we're committed to doing already? Where, where are the things that we want to do? And if we're going to pursue this, if we're going to go do this world's toughest mutter together, then there needs to be a plan for it. Because one of us doing it and the other one not doing it is way easier than the two of us doing it. For sure. Because so then you're going to need a pit crew. Yeah, both of us will need someone right. um, and and then, you know, it's extra gear and all the shit that goes with it. So there, there's definitely some more planning and and we'll need to do some races during the year. I, you know, again, I didn't intentionally not do anything this year right. and then just blow into that one. <laughs> but, you know, it worked out well. So imagine if I actually trained for this the, the right way and get some help. Who the hell yeah. knows? But yeah. uh, it's it's great, man. And and again, I'm. I have such gratitude for the life that I have and I have gratitude for the mindset that I've been able to cultivate over the last few years. And it ain't me, it's God, you know, it's, it's, it's him doing his work in me and, and continuing to broaden my ability to serve my purpose in this world, which is just to leave people better. I mean, that's, you know, I used to have this like big old mission, vision statement or whatever like we all did back in the day but at, at the end of the day that's truly my mission is simply to leave people better and, it, and if the things that I do accomplish that and I continue to be gifted more and more avenues and a wider audience to do that then what the hell do I have to complain about man life is awesome I dig it man I dig it well how can these people find you obviously I'll put all your links and all the things in the comments and probably you're probably gonna have to show me how to do it because you know you, you you're the one that got <laughs> me started on this so uh how can people find you uh probably the easiest ways on Facebook just look me up my my profile's public it's Mark Zalmanoff uh everything's out there to find I have a website markzfitness.com that's mostly geared towards my gym my podcast is called Make Good Choices. 
The book is also called Make Good Choices. You can find that on Amazon. And uh, if if I have any ask of, of the audience, it's just, man, go live, you know, quit existing, go pursue the things that you want in life, go find the things that bring you joy, as long as they're legal, you know. Or not, I've, if you don't get busted, way. it's on you. <laughs> as as you. How about this, as long as you're not harming other humans. There you go. We'll, there we'll you quantify go. it with that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dustin, I, I appreciate you, brother. I love you. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be your first guest on your podcast, man. And, and I know, I know there are such amazing things in your future and our future. And I'm fucking excited, man. You're making me tear up again. I appreciate you, dude. Thank you for coming on. Um, truly grateful. Episode number two with my main man, Mark, for the Strength Through Struggle podcast, guys. That is it for today. We will catch you next time.